This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. talking yet. You're only allowed to go uh, once I start talking. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Good evening. That's, that's much warmer. That's better. Um, really delighted to be here with you today. Um, um, we are uh, very, like, great fans of, of uh, David and Deborah. <laughs> uh, I say, when I grow up, I want to be like David. <laughs> <laughs> But just, uh, just blessed to see uh, how God is working among you, um, and of, of course uh, the Tamworth work and the Market Harbor work, and we, and even Kenya, uh, I nearly forgot that. So just blessed to hear all of that, and um, very happy to, uh, to be able to share tonight with you. Um, I... I'm trying to think where, what's the best place to start. I, uh, I was born of a Baptist pastor in a Baptist, when I was ba- in training in a Baptist seminary back in Africa. And I became a Christian in a Baptist church. Um, but um, as time went on, um, I began to read the Bible a lot. And uh, one of the areas that we discussed with my friends was actually Ephesians chapter 4. And we would, we would talk about, um, we'll talk about who, who are the prophets and who are the apostles in that verse. And they would tell me, oh, the, apostles, the prophets are the pro- prophets of the Old Testament. And the apostles are the 12 apostles. And... Um, and at that point, I'd begun to read. So I'd ask the question, how many apostles are they actually? Is it 12? Or is it 13? Or is it 14? And so what do you mean? I said, well, there was Judas <laughs> who dropped off, and then they appointed Matthias. Um, and then you have Paul. So is that 13 or 14? And then you have Barnabas? So, um, is it 12 apostles? And then we get, you know, the whole, the, the whole uh, we used to meet in our home, my, my house. It would be very complicated. It becomes very complicated. <laughs> and, and God began to uh, stare in me back then uh, a vision of, of a church, which I think um, the only way I can describe it is by telling you a little bit of the story of how we came to be in, in the UK. Mahongo got a scholarship. Mahongo, my wife, very clever. She got a scholarship to, to come to the UK. The British Council thought that she was worth investing British money into. <laughs> <laughs> and so we came uh, for, for nine months, really. Uh, but she came uh, a couple of months earlier than me because I was just tying down some of the business we were doing, closing some of the things down. And, um, and when she arrived in Manchester, she went to uh, several churches there. We came from a Baptist background, and at the time we are coming to the UK, I was baptizing the Holy Spirit, Mahongo wasn't. Um, but very much eager and open to the things of God. And, um, and so she went to a brethren church. And she told me about how wonderful the fellowship was and the meal they took out to after the meeting. And she said, very nice people. I said, no, that's not, that's not the church for us. <laughs> and then she's talking about another Baptist church that she went to. I said, that's not the church for us. <laughs> and then she went to this church where there was an, a, a younger person in the eldership and also an older person in the eldership describing King's Church. At the time, Graham Dickon was there. And uh, Richard Annis was there. I think it was like uh, the elders, some of the elders you met initially. And when she described it, uh, she said they have an apostle and, and all these things. I said, that's our church. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, she said they're going to start 
uh, joining the church course. I say, you attend every <laughs> joining the church course, and you relate to me everything that they teach you there, because um, that's going to be our church. So how can you tell? I said, don't worry, I know. <laughs> and she went to that, uh, joining the church course, and um, at, by the end of that, it used to be 10 weeks back then, I don't know how many weeks, whether you do it in weeks or one day here now, one day, yeah, it used to be, it used to be 10 weeks then, original, you know, Mahongo did it, I didn't. <laughs> And, um, and, um, and at the end of that, she was going to have the interview, so uh, she spoke with Graham about, I was just about arriving in the country then. So he said, uh, we're going to suspend, wait for your husband to come and do the interview with both of you. And I remember that time when we got into, uh, into Graham's office, how we started talking, and um, just like a weight was coming into the room as we were talking, and we started crying. Uh, we were not sad. <laughs> um, Graham wasn't kicking us out of the church at all. Uh, but we just felt this um, presence of God. And I think it was meant to last for uh, 30 minutes, that interview. It ended up being two hours. Um, and we, thought, we felt that we had come home. My mom, uh, who is back in Zambia, doesn't understand why I can't plant a church in Zambia and go back there. Um, but I said to her, well, we, we, have, we have sensed that God has brought us into relationship. Um, and of course, when God adjusts that and decides to send us back to Zambia to do something, they will do that. But we can't just do, um, um, we can't just you know, take ourselves out of what God has brought us into. Um, and so, um, I, I have several things that I'm interested in. Um, one of them is the word. <laughs> I, um, I, love, I love the word. My love for the word actually I really ignited when I was in Swaziland. I lived in Swaziland for six years. I'm originally from Zambia. And when I was in Swaziland, I, um, I, I was there for one and a half years on my own. I had a three-bedroomed house and, uh, and uh, two reception rooms and a large kitchen all to myself. And the thing was that every time I locked the door, when I got into the house and I closed the door, I would not speak to anybody else until the following day. So I watched all the TV I could watch. <laughs> I watched every football game there would be. I'd, I watched some cricket. I didn't really like cricket. I still don't. Oh, sorry. I, I, I'll pass that quickly. Um, <laughs> but I, I watched everything I could watch. I, I watched uh, Bold and the Beautiful. Some people seem to recognize that. <laughs> I watched, yeah, I won't say what it is, just so then you, you don't think any strange of me. That, um, I just watched everything. Until I got to the place where um, literally I would feel as if I'm going to get sick when I watch TV. I, serious, I just watched so much TV that it became like, oh, I can't bear it. And so I read all the books I could find, all the magazines I could find. I, I bought newspapers and read them. And I just still felt quite empty. So I saw this book, which I had brought with me from Zambia to Swaziland. It was a black one, not this colorful one. It was black. It's not very interesting at all. And then I thought, I'm a bit bored right now. Maybe I should read the Bible. <laughs> Maybe I should read the Bible. So I picked up the Bible, and for some reason I went to the book of Acts. And I started reading the book of Acts. I started reading how, they, uh, how Jesus spoke to the disciples and told them to wait until the Holy Spirit had come up on them, and how they waited, and how they appointed Matthias and restored the 12 sort of government in there. And then, of course, chapter 2, boom, the Holy Spirit comes down on them, and they start speaking in tongues, and they go out in the street, and boom, 3,000 people are saved. 
they are added to the church and they're all sharing everything in common, breaking bread and praying and fellowship in the homes and apostles teaching and all stuff is going on. Chapter 3, they get a guy who's paralyzed, raise him up and he gets healed, goes jumping in the, you know, into the temple. You know the song he was leaping. When we used to sing that, you weren't really leaping. You were just, you, were, you know, he was leaping. <laughs> but he was leaping. Yeah, that's right. um, and then, of course, you get to mm, some difficult passages with Ananias and Sapphira and, and what goes on there. And then you have chapter, I think in chapter 6, when this, the apostles say, we can't be wasting too much time with the food and all this stuff. Let's appoint some guys. And, and one of the guys appointed is Stephen. Uh, another guy is Philip. And uh, soon after that, there's persecution, and they all run out, and Philip goes in Samaria, gets some guys saved. Somehow, he doesn't pray for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They bring Peter, you know, Peter and John come in, and they lay hands on him. They speak in tongues, and some guy wants to pay them money, you know, for, you know the story? I was reading this, and I'm transfixed. I was literally transfixed. I read, I turned the page, I read, I could, it was as if I was in the book with them. I was in the action with them. Uh, I, I got chapter 13, and they're praying, fasting, and the Holy Spirit says, set apart from me, Paul and Barabbas, for a week and a half for them. And they pray for them, and they release them, and they go out and they start preaching. They see just uh, several places, several places dotted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And before long, I was in chapter 28. <laughs> wow. This is the first time ever in my life I'm reading a whole book in the Bible. Before this, I used to read daily, daily something, daily guide. You know, you read one verse and uh, three or four paragraphs of some, what some guy thinks about those verses. And, and this was totally life-changing for me. I think I read that book, uh, Book of Acts, maybe in two and a half hours or three hours. And I thought, wow, this is better than bold and the beautiful. <laughs> and of course, when you read the stories of the Old Testament, they're actually literally better than bold and the beautiful with all the intrigue and all the stories that they have. And I just fell in love with, uh, with, uh, with the scriptures. In fact, when I lived in Swaziland, one of the things that used to happen there was just um, sometimes God would speak to me and give me a, a verse or a couple of verses. He would give me a message and tell me to write it on a post-it. I used to have, you know, post-it thing. I'll put it in there and he'll tell me what the introduction was going to be and what the... Um, three points of the message was going to be and what the conclusion was going to be. And then I would go to the church meeting, which was an evangelical sort of church. Um, and uh, they didn't know me very much there. They didn't know I was fairly new. I didn't speak their language, although I was the same color with them. They didn't understand this at all. How come you don't speak Siswati? Um, and, um, and, and, but God would tell me that to, this Sunday you're going to preach this message. And I'll tell the Lord, i say, Lord, <laughs> you know those people, they don't even like me. It's been, I've been going there for six weeks, and maybe two or three of them have greeted me. How are they going to let me preach? And I'll get there. And um, um, they used to have a tradition where you sing a, a hymn for the guy preaching to come up to the front. I don't, you might not understand that. But you sing a hymn, a special hymn, to bring the pastor to the pulpit to preach. And so we'd stand up and sing this hymn, and usually the pastor would stand up at the last verse, okay, to come up the front. So by the time he got here to the front, you're singing the last chorus, so <laughs> it was quite choreographed. Um, and, uh, and so this Sunday, one of the first times that this happened to me, I, I got, I went, we went there, and we were singing, and we got the last verse, and last chorus, last chorus, and nobody stood up. So they called one of the stewards, and and they whispered something in the ear, and the steward walked over to me and said, um, excuse me, uh, they say that you're the one preaching today. <laughs> really? 
<laughs> so I stood up and preached. Um, in fact, I was in that church for probably one and a half years, and uh, I may have preached there eight or ten times, and all of them, all the times, I was never on schedule. <laughs> I, I was, God would tell me in the week, this is the message for this Sunday. And I learned to believe God, <laughs> you know, and trust him. And, and I'd preach like that, and I was, I was part of the church then like that. <clears throat> so I love the word. I, I, I love the word. But the word isn't, <clears throat> excuse me, isn't the, isn't the thing for me. The word is a means to something. Um, I, I make a big deal of Jesus. I exaggerate um, the importance of Jesus. Which I'm learning is impossible to do. But Jesus is like, um, I mean, I'm very impressed with him. <laughs> Sorry, I just he 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 fascinates me, and um, and uh, his approach to life. Um, I don't know if there's it is, it's just not comparable. The way he talks. Uh, the things that he values most, I think Jesus is just, um, is just tops. Top. I, I love him. <laughs> I love him. And, um, and if there's anything I would like people to, to get from interacting with me, is to be infected with a love for him. Um, and, and for people to come to a fresh appreciation of just how phenomenal, unique, and excellent Jesus is. One of the passages that has been, uh, that I've been drinking out of, um, let me explain that a little bit. In my Bible, in the Bibles that I have, I have uh, oas oasis or drinking wells for me. So, so, so sometimes the Lord takes me to a passage of scripture and I drink out of that and drink out of that and feed out of that. And then it takes me to another one and I drink out of that. It's not that that one has become irrelevant, but I'm just, and, and there's dots of them like that in the scriptures that I've drunk from and fed from. So let me take you to one of them. Is this okay? Yeah. Um, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. I think, I think, um, there's still a lot that we need to think about what ministry really is and, and what is to be successful in ministry. And because Jesus, uh, Jesus is, is the apostle, he is the prophet, he is the evangelist, he is the pastor, and he's a teacher. Really, if you want to talk about ministry, true ministry, don't start with Paul. Uh, you know, if you want to talk about apostolic ministry, don't start with Paul. Start with Jesus. He defines it. And here we, we, we hear um, the attitude. Uh, Tony Ling tells a joke about attitude that I can't quite manage because I don't sure I have the right accent for it. But it's it's not my attitude, you know. Um, see, it didn't work. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. 
you must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Uh, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How can I succeed in ministry or just anything? How can I succeed? There's an attitude of success. And it's quite different from the attitude in the world. The attitude in the world is push yourself up, get some um, business cards printed out, distribute yourself and Market your skills. Let people know what you can do. Yes? Get everybody interested in what you, what you can do. And if you can get them to invite you to speak, that's, especially in America, this is a system that is done there. Um, here, we have a very different approach to, to life and to ministry. If you're talking about Jesus, who I want to talk about a lot. He humbled himself. He came down. He was fully God. Everything that's in God was in him. Everything in him was in the Father. And between him, the Father, the Son, and him... And, and, and the Father and, and the Holy Spirit, they are all God, fully God. There's no junior God, there's no senior God. They're all just exactly the same. Yeah. But Jesus humbled himself. Yeah. He knew he was God, but he says he didn't think that equality with God was something he should be pushing. Yeah. You know, equality, with, <laughs> you know. Um, don't you know I'm a prophetic ministry? We had a guy come to our church, and he, was, he started to prophesy to people without talking to me. That's bad. <laughs> so I said, you know, you know, um, do you not think you're supposed to at least talk to one of the leaders in the church before you start prophesying? Because he wasn't part of the church at all. Uh, don't, you can't say that to me. I'm a, I'm a prophet. Oh, really? You will not prophesy here again. <laughs> well, he didn't come back, obviously. But, um, <laughs> but it's this thinking that I am this, and I need to push this thing. I need to organize this. I need to make it happen. And if I don't push this, I could very well be 90 and miss my chance to do the things that I believe God has put in my heart. That approach... I want to say to you, is not Jesus' approach. Jesus, the Bible says, humbled himself, emptied himself, became nothing, and he died. And when he died, he died. You know, dead? D-E-D, -E -D, dead? <laughs> no, you didn't get that one either. Um, please, Lord, help my humor. Back in old, and people laugh at all my jokes. <laughs> but he was completely dead. And it meant that he was unable to resurrect himself. He did not have the ability to resurrect himself. The Bible says God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He was dead completely. He died to ever being in that elevated position. He died to that. And because he came from the highest place, 
and he sank and leveled himself, humbled himself to the lowest place, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. And nobody will ever exceed Jesus because nobody has ever made that much movement. Are you with me? Jesus is tops because nobody can ever lower himself as much as Jesus lowered himself. And God has therefore elevated him to the highest place. So, I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like, I like to imitate Jesus. And if, if you want to succeed in saving him, in, in ministry, in ministry, uh, what is ministry? What is it? You know, we had a chance some time back with my wife to travel to Swaziland because we live in Swaziland. So we've got some friends there. And in one of the churches we went to, uh, we were totally blown away by the um, protocol or whatever you want to call it, um, the stewarding in there. First, they sat us, everybody else sat in plastic chairs behind us. We were seated in sofas on the front row. <laughs> serious, serious. <laughs> and we had a, co a, a coffee table in front of us with uh, water and juice and, and coke and all these things. And uh, as soon as your finger pointed towards the drink, to sort of, because it was very close to where we were, you think, I'm going to, you know, just grab that there was some steward who had already got to it before you and poured it out for you. I said, I want to take all of you to, to, to all of them with me. But, uh. and, um, and ministry can be that people must respect me. You know? People must respect me. People must listen to what I say. People must obey me. People must, and I know there's a place for uh, uh, People following and listening to their leaders, they need to do that. But if we as leaders are going to be the way Jesus is, which we should be, then ours is to humble ourselves. I have a, I have a silent frustration that I'm going to share with you. It won't be silent anymore. Oh, please, just keep it silent still, okay? Um, and it's this. We have a wonderful revelation. Apostles, prophets, pastors, well, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are meant to bring the church to maturity and to unity. But we have some challenge in that. Because every time, we seem to be disintegrating. One of the reasons for me is just, just humble yourself. Just, just come down. If you have a ministry, if you have a calling of, a call of God on your heart, no human being can frustrate it. I'll say that again. If you're really called by God to do something for him, there is no person who can frustrate that. It's impossible. It's just not possible for somebody to frustrate your ministry that you die not ever doing what God called you to. No, that's not possible. I mean, Jesus, they couldn't frustrate Jesus. Everybody was against, people were against him like nothing. They couldn't frustrate him. Even when they killed him, he was back. You with me? He came back. And this... Remember Joseph in the Old Testament? Joseph has a dream. And he shares with the brothers. And not just that he shares a dream, but they also don't like him because he's too straight. You know, like if they kill an animal and, and barbecue it in the bush, he goes and tells the father about it. They say, don't like this. So they, they decide, let's kill him. 
And then they said, oh, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a well. Thankfully, the well was dry. But they, they threw him in a well, sat on top, and started to have lunch. While the brother was in the well, they didn't know whether it was dry or not. They didn't know. They thought they, he would have been dying down there. They sat there and they started eating. And then one of them thought, eh, maybe it's not good for us to keep him there. Let's sell him out to, you know, some merchants. So they got him out and they sold him. I mean, how many negative things can happen to you? He gets into a place of, of work in Egypt and because he's a nice looking guy, the boss's wife is interested in him. I mean, this guy is coming from, uh, from unfortunate event to unfortunate event. I can't remember what the title of this movie is. A series of unfortunate events. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, come on, you know, give the guy a break. But each one of those things that were supposed to be frustrations, you know what they were? They became stepping stones for him to get into the place where he was supposed to get into. And, and, and for me, this is a big drinking well. To drink from that lifestyle of humility. I'm trying to think, what's the time now? <laughs> Sorry, I don't have my watch with me. Um, 24. Another five more minutes? Okay. Um, humility is such a big deal. I was, we've been planted as a church now for about eight years in Oldham. By the way, just give you um, something you can pray for us about. Um, somebody in Oldham town came and approached us and um, offered us um, a million pounds for our building. And um, at first we didn't think it was a lot of money. <laughs> But as we've thought about it, it has sort of dawned on us that it might be a significant amount of money. So, um, <laughs> so we've tried to see how we can make it work. And we found a property that was uh, really ideal for us. We put in an offer. They accepted the offer. And the math was working uh, beautifully. The math was working very well. Buy the building, sort out the mortgage, do the renovation, the, everything was balancing very, very well. Until last week when the vendor wrote an email saying they're not selling anymore. Yeah, I didn't do that. I just laughed. I said, no, they don't know what they're saying. <laughs> they can't change their mind. They've got to sell the building. Um, so I sent them an email yesterday, nice email. Uh, I think you still have to sell the building to us. And when you sell the building to us, God will bless your business. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. Uh, but if you can pray, please pray for us that that deal comes through. Um, but anyway, we've been eight years in Oldham. I need to try and move quickly, try and tell you this. Um, I might have to pick it up after the break. But we've been eight years in Oldham, and I've been asking the Lord. Uh, there's so many promises that you've given to us as a church. And I haven't seen them materialize. Now, there could be several problems. Could be that the guy who, or the guys who prophesied the words to us had too much cheese. <laughs> there are dreams and visions that were not from God. Could be that. And we're happy to, to adjust if we need to adjust that. So what we have, maybe it's not the word of God. We need to adjust that. But what if it's the word of God? And it's not one word. It's, it's like several words. I don't know. Maybe you have, you have several words as well here, you know. And you think, we've been going for so many years. Why is this stuff not working? And when I read Genesis chapter 1, that's not the picture I'm getting. You know what I mean? When, when I read Genesis chapter 1, you say... Let there be light. Boom, there was light. Let the waters separate. Boom, they separated. Let the dry ground appear. Dry ground appeared. 
I said, what am I missing? What's going on? What's the, what's the trick? Because if it worked for you, then that way, it needs to work for me somehow. Because it's your word. And it's your job. It's your people. It's your kingdom. It's, it's yours. And then God said to me, I didn't just build with a word. What I did, I didn't just do with a word. Maybe let's take a break now, no? <laughs> yes, let's do that. <laughs> this is like TV, isn't it? <laughs> we'll see you in 10 minutes or so. <laughs> So the Lord said to me that he didn't just use the word. He, um, yes, the word was important. When you read Genesis, you know that he spoke and it, the thing happened exactly as he said it. And uh, uh, if you turn to Proverbs chapter, chapter 3, just one, one of those uh, Verse 18. If you read that whole section from verse 13, here it's about wisdom. Um, but it, I'll just read from verse 18. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. By wisdom, the Lord founded the earth, and by understanding, he created the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep fountains of the earth burst forth, and the dew settles uh, beneath the night sky. So God, when he was creating, was using the word and wisdom. And wisdom. And he said uh, to me that this is how you can build something um, that will last. So when God created the stars, they're still there. They're still hung there, suspended on nothing. And when God created human beings, um, we really haven't changed much. <laughs> Don't believe the evolutionists. Because there is still two arms, <laughs> two ears, is this true? Yeah. Is this true? Yeah. yeah. It's still original technology. <laughs> exactly as he did it. We're still like that. And if, it doesn't, if the sun doesn't come quickly, we will still be two arms, two ears. The eyes are not going to shift to there or one back there. No. Original technology. And he does that, he did that by the word and wisdom. So the question becomes, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? And um, uh, I'm studying at the moment, and I wasn't convinced that studying necessarily gives you wisdom. <laughs> um, because there are so many people that I see who, are, who have studied more than me. Um, who I question whether there's wisdom there or not. Um, and so the Lord took me to uh, James, James chapter 3. James chapter 3. When you find it, give me a good yeah, yeah, like you're in Oldham All Nations Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steel pages. Okay. Have you got it? Verse 13, if you are wise and understand God's words, prove it by living an honorable life, doing works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Where there is no humility, it's a sign, it's an indicator of a lack of wisdom. You with me? Yeah. Where you see pride, 
and arrogance, that is a clear marker of a lack of wisdom. Let me be less political, politically correct. Where you see a lack of humility, it's a sign of foolishness. You with me? It says there, verse 14, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. I mean, this, this, these scriptures took my head off when I read them. It says, for, for jealousy and selfishness, selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly and spiritual and demonic. James he just gives it to you as it is. And I struggled. I thought, could I be operating in a demonic kind of wisdom? Lord, me? Don't you know me? Ezekiel. <laughs> How can I be ever operating in a demonic kind of wisdom? Me? He said, well, as long as there's selfish ambition, you know selfish ambition? Wanting to get things for yourself. Wanting to achieve things. For, it's not the same as desiring to do things for God. It's a self-promotion. Self-propelling. Verse, verse 16. For wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So now we also know that when we find evil and disorder, this is a sign that there is no wisdom. With me? Yeah. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. The New Living Translation says. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others, full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. Let me try and see if I can explain this quickly. So, uh, Maybe we can move to something else. When God was creating, it, it wasn't out of selfish ambition. You with me? There was no jealousy in him. There was no bitterness in him. You with me? Because that, in fact, what was in him is, is in verse 17. There was purity in him. There was peace in him, a love for peace. There was gentleness in him. There was a, a submission in him, in God. There was a submission. There was a fullness of mercy in God. You see, although God says you must worship him, it's not because he's selfish. Because worship, you worshiping him enables you to come and live the life that he lives. I, I don't know if... Um, uh, this is how he allows us to participate in his divine nature. When he says pray, he's not punishing us. He's, he's trying to get us to live like he lives. Because when I've read the scriptures, I've found that God prays. If you understand prayer as, as talking to God, God talks to himself all the time. Hey, let us make man in our image, in our image and likeness. Let us make man. Let us make them male and female and let them have dominion over all the earth. <laughs> you know, just within God. And what God wants is for us to live like that, to come to him and say, Lord, um, I want market habra to change. I want that one to get saved. I want that one to get saved. I want that one to get healed. I want that one to get saved. I want that family to come to the Lord. I want that thing to happen. I want, I want drugs to come down. I want prostitution to come down. I want, I want jobs to be created. I want this town to be on fire for you. Amen. And he says, yes. Let's do that. Let's do that. I like it too. Let's do that. Why? Because this is how God lives. You with me? And the Lord said to me, to the extent that there is no purity in your life, the effectiveness of my word is compromised. You with me? Yeah. If you're going to live a life that lacks purity, 
The level to which you, you entertain impurity is the level to which you make the word ineffective. You, you affect this directly proportional. And unfortunately, in our world today, even in people of the cloth, is that what, they, what they're called? Even in people of the cloth, purity is lacking. The, sh- the church has come in a serious embarrassment because people are not conducting themselves in purity. I mean, leaders. Gentle at all times. Willing to yield to others. Oh, I wish I, wish I could have a week to talk about that one. Willing to yield to others. This is a problem. This is a problem. It's a problem in the house, in the marriage. <laughs> Let me not get into your business. Um, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem at home. It's a problem with the children as they grow up. It's a problem in workplaces. It's a problem in the church. Why are you going to tell me what to do? Well, just do it. You know, I, I have found that sometimes some of the people that I've, we have said to, um, we don't, we, we would like you to get married. We're trying to be grace and truth, you know. And <laughs> we, we would like you to get married. We just don't think that now with this person is the right time. <laughs> you know, we're trying to be all this nice thing. No, but I love him. Yes, I know. But that's why I'm trying to say that maybe you shouldn't do this right now because I, I know how you feel. But I don't feel like you. So I'm looking at, at it from a different perspective. Can you not just wait Even if we say the church will not give the blessing. Oh, yes, I'll go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Six months later, knocking on my door. (laughs) Did you say I should have waited? (laughs) Yeah, I did. Did I know what was going to happen? No. Sometimes you don't know. But you have a certain sense that says, "Mm, let's just hang on a little bit with this. And if a leader says that to you, you're a young person, you want to move things, you want to change the world for Jesus. And the leader says, "Mm, hang on a little bit. Don't think they're trying to frustrate you. No, they're working for you. And when you submit yourself, you are acting like God acts. We are, we're given a, a picture of the, of the son in the garden. Remember that story? Yeah. When he's, uh, he's, uh, he's rethinking whether to go ahead with the, with the purposes of God for his life. And he says, Let's, um, this dying plan I signed up for, I'm not sure anymore. Can we... Can we not find an alternative, an alternative system that doesn't include me having to hang on the cross? And then he says, okay, let's just do it your way. And like I said before, when he died, the only hope for him was in God. Yeah. Um, oh. So when you see... Uh, when you see, for example, in Matthew chapter 5 and 6, when Jesus is talking about purity, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You know when he says that? In that Matthew passage, it doesn't say this is wisdom. You with me? It just gives us an instruction. But reading it from here, we understand that everywhere where the scripture tells us purity, is telling us what? The wisdom of God. You with me? 
everywhere where it tells us to submit to one another, it's telling us the wisdom of God. Are you still okay? Really? Yeah. It's telling us the wisdom of God. When it tells us to be peace-loving, to be gentle, it's telling us the, 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 the actual wisdom of God, the very wisdom that God used to create the universe. This is what it's telling us. That's why there's a story that Jesus tells, a parable of two houses. They were both painted yellow. <laughs> I don't know why I said yellow, but... There were two houses. They, were, they, were, they looked the same, I think, outwardly. But one house was built on sand, and another house was built on the rock. And you know the song, don't you? The, the kid's song. Yeah? And what happened to the other house which was on sand? It came. Come on, say it again. It came. came tumbling down. And Jesus says the difference between them is that one was wise and the other one was foolish. Foolish isn't a category, or it's not an IQ thing. You with me? Yeah. The difference was that this other guy who was wise was doing the word. Doing what the word says. When it says purity, he embraced purity. Humble yourself, he humbled himself. You with me? He embraced that. And when the pressure came, his house could withstand. His life could withstand the pressure. His ministry could rise and still remain. And the impact of his work in the lives of the people lasted beyond his days. The other one, because of trying to cut corners, trying to push yourself ahead, trying to achieve things for yourself, Jealousy and bitterness and anger and, you know, nobody else must succeed except me. When the pressure comes, and even if we don't see that manifested now, we know that a judgment, they'll be testing by fire. So you bring your set of um, ministry achievements. Lord, look what I did. Look what I did. I built a church of 1,000 people. Oh, that's the small. Um, I built a church of 10,000 people, Lord. And the Lord says, okay. I don't know who he tells, whether it's Gabriel or Michael. Can you turn up the heat, Michael? <laughs> Can you turn up the heat? Put some flames on that. Let's see what happens. You know, shrivels to uh, zero, to ash. If you want to succeed, that's the key. And um, when I got, I mean, I haven't quite sort of finished dealing with this in myself. But when, I, when this hit me, at first I uh, tried to protest to the Lord. This is hard. Talk to me some nice things, you know. <laughs> just, I'm not that bad. I am not that bad. I speak in tongues, remember? <laughs> but once, once I began to work this through in myself, I say this with humility that you may not see it right now on me, but something glorious has happened in my heart. I am, I am so happy. <laughs> my wife knows this. I tell her all the time. <laughs> Jump in the car and say, you know what, honey? I'm so happy. <laughs> what are you happy about? I'm just so happy. I am. Things that used to cause me stress and panic and uh, frustration, 
I still have a little bit of one or two of them, but most of them are not there anymore. I'm just being honest with you. And because I, I decided that it was better to die <laughs> and let him give me some life than for me to try and live on my own and find I have no life at all. I don't know what the elders wanted me to do tonight, but um, I just want this to work for, to, I, I mean to work, do you know what I mean? For, to work for real. Um, and um, and there, there was a guy I, I listened to preaching one time, and I thought it was a bit arrogant, because he said um, he, he studied certain things, and, and he observed what, things, what success meant in the scriptures. And he decided to implement each of those things religiously for himself and for the church he was leading. And he said um, he would have been surprised if they didn't succeed. You with me? He would have been surprised if they didn't succeed because they had followed every step according to the word. That means that you, bring, you get to the point of success. Success is not an accident. Achieving something in ministry is not an accident. It's, a cho it's choices. And the key choice I feel to share with you tonight is to learn to carry your cross daily. Daily. You die again. You die again. And God says, when a seed is just there, it remains completely alone. But if it dies, it produces fruit. It's multiplied. Multiplied. And it's multiplied. I don't know what dreams you have in God. I don't know what you... Um, what is it that you'd want to achieve before you died? Ah, sorry, uh, people don't say that very much nowadays, do they? Um, before you passed on, <laughs> so, yeah, try to make it a bit softer. I was listening to um, uh, Richard talking about grace and truth, so I'm trying to find the grace. You know, um, what's the what's the thing? you'd like to do before you depart. <laughs> I'm, I'm studying, a, I'm doing a PhD in theology. I love to study. And uh, they gave me a good deal, which I couldn't refuse, so I took up the offer to study. I'm not paying for it, so that's a good thing. I don't know if that's what I want to, to be remembered for. Um, as Ezekiel, who did a PhD in theology. To be honest, at this point, I'm not even sure whether it's Ezekiel who built a mega church in Oldham, whether that's the thing for me. I think the thing that really excites me that really um, is to say Ezekiel who lived the life of Christ. Authentic life of Christ. This, in, this man died and Christ lived in him. That's something worth more than a million pounds.
I need to stop about here now. Jesus was going to question or anything like that. He said, I don't know what you want to do. Pray for people. Okay. A quick question, I think, would be, um, you mentioned at the beginning about having a love of the word. And um, people have often asked me, how do you get a love of the word? How do you get enough of the word? How do you get a love, a love. of the word? And, and what for you would be uh, the things, just practically for people, that would help them to cultivate a love of the word? Yeah. Um, yeah, I get asked that quite a lot. I think, um, I think it's right. I'm not sure whether it's the right thing to say or not, but I'm, for illustration's sake, I'll use it. Uh, I think the, the love for the word is like an acquired taste. You with me? And um, um, if, you, if you eat little of it, yeah, um, you don't break yourself into the actual taste of the word. Actually, one of the most frustrating things is to read something and not understand it. And that makes you think, why should I read the Bible? Because I don't understand it. But just, just persevere for that period and just keep reading. The more of the word you read, the more of an appetite you have for the word. There used to be an old song we used to sing which says, uh, Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it long up, and make me whole. Something like that. But that phrase that says, feed me till I want no more, is actually not true with the word. It's not. If you get to the word and you start reading it, you're going to find, um, while you are thinking about something else, the word will come to you and, and bring a question to you or an idea to you. you, you know, the word will begin to speak to you. And you, you, you think, ah, what was that thing I thought about in the car? And you go back and read some more. And if you, if you do this more and more, you find that um, there's like a world out there. You with me? Yeah, there's like a world, a world that you can go into and, and ideas that come to you that, um, yeah, are just amazing. I, I did one time when we're, um, I did a crazy thing that I, because I'm just like that. Um, I, I memorized Ephesians, the whole book. <laughs> I did. Um, it has gone off a bit now because I haven't practiced, practiced it. But I think I could still do like, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love he predestined us to be adopted as his son. I could still run probably, uh, I think I could run chapter one <laughs> because I like chapter one a lot. <laughs> and what I found was that when I was driving and we were in a traffic jam, my mind didn't start getting frustrated with the traffic because it was just another opportunity for me to revise chapter one. You know what I mean? So I just start going, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ, which was in him for the creation of the world. And then, I, you know, um, I, would, I would check myself. And sometimes I got home and I said, can you have it here? And I check the whole chapter one. I tried chapter one, chapter two, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, six. Like that. And the more of the word that you, you allow yourself, you, you um, experiment with, um, the more you love the word. It's a bit like fasting. I think the hardest fast to do is the one day fast. It's nasty. Because, I mean, let's face it, um, you're going to not go with coffee for the one day. Okay, this doesn't register as well. <laughs> but, you know, just to, no coffee for one day is headaches, isn't it, for some people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and your body's like, 
shouting to you, why are we not eating? I mean, we don't stop eating, you know. We eat in the morning, we eat, we eat all the time. We, we, we eat the meals and we snack. Come on, what's going on? Um, but when you pass three days, this is my experience, when you pass three days, it's, the body sort of says, oh, okay. <coughs> we, get, we, get the, we get the idea. There's no eating. And you sort of go into a place where you can glide. You can, you can, I call it a glide where you can, um, you can... You can fast without actually thinking about food. But that's because you've passed. It's a bit like running. When you run the first five minutes, I don't know about you, but for me it's like um, my, everything is burning. But I understand that if you run to ten minutes or so, um, you break through something and you can run for longer. You with me? Same with the word of God. You okay? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say first before I pray for anybody that wants prayer. Um, we, we pray for you guys often. We pray for you guys often. And um, I think it's probably two weeks ago. I felt... Um, I was praying in tongues, and I felt the Lord say about this church, he's not, he's not just pleased with what's going on, he's, exci- he's excited. Um, he's pleased, but he's, he's not just pleased, he's excited. Really excited. And when I was speaking in tongues, I was a bit like, becoming too intense. So I said, Lord, please give me some space. <laughs> just want to breathe a little bit. But he says, I'm just excited about what's going on. And he, and he says the, the key things are the, are the very basics of Christianity. The more you hold on to the basic things, the basic principles, the basic things, make sure you don't move away from I don't mean you don't, you don't teach anything else. I just mean you, you keep hold of those things that are foundational to you. And God has even more amazing things to do. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.